Glad to have you here with us, but I want to have you guys think about with me here for a second. If you had a choice to celebrate at an extravagant wedding or suffer horrible pain, which one would you choose? Be pretty obvious to you, right? Like, uh, give me the cake and ice cream and, you know, good food and, and uh, good music. I, I would go there any time, a time of celebration, right? It seems obvious, yet we have people who are refusing to celebrate. We have to ask the question, why? Why is this the case? If you think about weddings, it's a great big deal. It is a big deal. And so I wanted to think about wedding invitations, because as Doyle read, this is a parable that Jesus gives about a wedding invitation. So I tried to look up something that might grab your attention. What are the most expensive wedding invitations ever sent? Well, these people right here sent out wedding invitations that cost $6 million. And it just talks about all of the personalization, uh, beautiful royal crust, uh, crest, um, just precious envelopes, you know, all this kind of stuff. Six million dollars were spent just on the invitation. That wasn't even the most. This lady from Italy, um, Tanisha, she spent 10 million dollars on uh, wedding invitations. And it says that uh, uh, all of her wedding cards were made of gold. So, you know, you might say, I appreciate this wedding, and then I could cash in the gold for actual money, right? It was, uh, that, that's how much was spent there. Then you have uh, formal, former NFL wide receiver, receiver Keyshawn Johnson. His invitations alone cost over $20 million. What they did is they sent out iPads. The iPad was the invitation to all of their guests, and it had all of the information and all kinds of stuff on there. So when you think about invitations, it's limitless to what could happen. But I saw this picture that I thought was pretty amazing, is that there are some invitations that are made of gold, or like this one, that it comes in a box. The, the, there's a wedding the paper part of it, but then there's a box that closes down and inside are like gifts, gifts of maybe the most precious of spices, maybe some kind of fancy chocolates or, or uh, salts that were hard to come by, uh, especially if we're going back 2,000 years ago, you couldn't get any spice from around the world just at the drop of a hat. You know, you could have some of the most valuable incense or perfumes or uh, maybe even little pieces of, of jewels that could have been included in this box and this invitation. If you were a king and you were trying to make an extravagant impression and just invite people to the biggest celebration that you've ever had, then what would your invitation be like? That is what I was trying to think about as I was looking at some of these um, invitations. So I want you to open up your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 22. <clears throat> in verses 1 through 3, really in 1 through 6, we're going to have the parable of a king whose son is getting married. And he's going to send out invitations. He's saying, come and celebrate I'm inviting you to my son's wedding. A feast is prepared to honor him. This is a unique opportunity. 
once in a lifetime. So the king, we see that he sends out his servants and his slaves to, to go and invite, in verses 1 through 3, he says, call those who have been invited. And I don't know if you guys caught that in the past when you guys are reading this in your own Bibles, but he says, call those who have been invited. So what does that mean? That means one invitation has already gone out. One invitation has been sent out. Now he's sending his, his servants to go out and invite those same people, but do it personally. To say, remember how I sent this earlier? Everything is ready now. Everything is ready, and we're here to personally invite you to this wedding ceremony, to this wedding feast. So that is important that we see that this is actually the second invitation. Extravagance, gold, spices, the finest of luxuries that could have been expressed. But what does it say? Here is an invitation to come celebrate, but the people say, eh, I don't think so. Not interested. Not willing, right? That's what we see here is in verse 3, they were invited to the wedding feast and they were unwilling to come. Not that they couldn't. It's interesting in the Bible it says they were unwilling. This isn't a matter of ability. This is a matter of want to. Everything was ready, but they were unwilling to come. Now, we get to verse 4 through 6. So, again, how would, how would this king feel? I've already sent out two invitations. One is a personal invitation. And all of the people that I'm trying to invite, the people that I would guess, you don't usually send invitations to non-friends. You know, it's like, who's our friends list? Who's our family list? Who are the people that, that we want definitely to be here that's who you, who you usually send it out to to begin with. And they all are rejecting him. How would you feel? How much money has been spent to get everybody to come and celebrate? Verse 4. Again, the king sent out other slaves or servants saying, Tell those who have been invited, behold... I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fattened livestock, all are butchered. Everything is ready. Come to the feast. The sheep is butchered. The cows are butchered. Everything is ready. Everything is cut up. Everything, I got the finest. I got the best of the best that it could possibly be given. And I want you to share. I want you to come. That's pretty generous to me, isn't it? That's patience. That's gracious to say you're still willing to invite them a third time? The second time you've personally invited them. You're going to them in person saying, would you come? This time, it's almost like he's reminding them like how much I've done. All the things are butchered. Everything is prepared. It's, it's like maybe they didn't get it. Maybe they didn't know exactly how much I've prepared for them. Maybe they don't 
because they rejected me. That can't be right. So he goes for the third time. But he, it's almost like he tells how extravagant this is going to be. Sort of like more pomp, more, more um, glorious. He's, he's, he's trying to make it even, promote it even more, right, of how great it's going to be. And I can just imagine him saying, everything is ready, just come. Help fill this place up. I, I want my son to be honored. I mean, can you imagine? I'm trying to honor my son at this wedding, and it got this huge banquet hall, all this food, all these decorations, and nobody shows up. How is that going to make my son feel? Is that going to be a time of celebration? You know? I mean, he's the king, so it's almost like, yeah, he could force them to come. He could get his armies and force them to come, sort of like in the movie Shrek, where they hold up the sign where they say, it's time to clap. Okay, now it's time to laugh. Okay, now it's time to be quiet or whatever, you know? Like, could he have done that as the king? Could he have forced the people to come and sit? And could he have forced them to be like, be sure you clap? You know, could he have done that? But is that truly honoring his son? You have to want to be there, right? It's like, you think about it, to, 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 to really force somebody to honor someone is not honoring them at all. Honor is when something is freely given to them. And that's really what is saying, come and celebrate with me. Come and honor my son with me. That's the invitation. But, but it says, verse 5, but they paid, <clears throat> excuse me, but they paid no attention paid no attention. And they went their way. They're like, reject the, the person who's giving the invitation. It says, one went to his farm. I'd rather go work on the farm than to go to this amazing celebration. Another went to his business. I'd rather go to work, push papers. I don't know what they did at work, but I'd rather go do this than party. I'd rather go do this and have this great celebration. And the rest of the slaves or the servants of the king, they mistreated them, made fun of them, beat them, and even killed them. Like, you're taking up my time. You keep coming at me, and it's now it's like you're insulting me for not coming. And so they abuse and even kill the messengers. Now, doesn't that sound crazy? Like, doesn't that story just sound absolutely ridiculous? Like, it, it, it's like no, nobody would do that. Nobody. Nobody would, would choose this. But basically, if you look at this, they're saying that this wedding, the, the people invited, they're basically saying that it's not important enough. Whatever this wedding is... I know you're the king. I know this is your son, but it's not important enough to me. Number two, it's not attractive enough for me. 
I'd rather go to my farm. I'd rather go to my business than to go to your celebration. Or I was thinking about this that, or is it they just don't want to honor the son? Is it that it's not extravagant enough? Is it that they really don't like parting? Is that really the issue? Or is the issue that I don't want to honor the son? You see, that seems to be more of the case. Because who doesn't want to celebrate? But if you have to go to the celebration and the purpose of the celebration is to honor the son, then I'm not having that. You see, if that's the case, I'm not going. There's the real issue. That is what we are going to be seeing. So the consequences are found in verse 7. In verse 7, the king, my version says, was enraged. Would you be? Would you be enraged? Would you be furious after how many invitations, how much was given, how much has been done and offered? It says that he was enraged and he sent his armies and he destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Man, you mess around with a king, you insult a king, and guess what? You are going to get smashed. You are going to get wiped out. Because was not the king, didn't he show enough generosity? Didn't he show enough grace? Didn't he show enough patience? I mean, it seems like he's been very patient, shown a lot of grace after being rejected how many times already? And it's like, you guys don't want this? Then you must not be deserving of this kingdom. And so he destroys them and their cities. You want to go back to your city to go to work? I'm going to destroy you guys where you don't get any of that. So this is the parable that, that Jesus is, is telling them. And so we see that there are severe consequences. There are severe consequences. But I want to give a little bit of background. Let's, let's look at this context. Like, why is Jesus giving this parable anyway? Why is Jesus talking about this wedding feast and, and all of this? Because in Matthew chapter 21, verse 23, it says that the chief priests and the elders kind of like the religious leaders, they were asking Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things? Because Jesus had ridden in on a donkey on Sunday, and everybody thought, man, he must be the Messiah. People were putting palm branches down. They were, they were crying out, Hosanna, like, this is the Messiah. That happened on Sunday. And then on Monday, he goes into the temple and he turns over the money changers and chases them out and he's upset with them. And they're like, what is this? And so they ask Jesus, we see all these things that you're doing and you're saying, but by what authority? Who says that you can come in here and just do all of this? Who says this? By what authority are you doing this? And Jesus is going to give them four parables. 
he's going to give four parables. And if you were here for Bible class, we went through one of them. And I hope that you guys will continue to come for Bible class because sometimes I'm preparing and, and, and helping us better understand what's more for the lesson. And it gives us a fuller understanding. But he gives four parables and we went through that. But at the end of these parables, in, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37 through 24, uh, verse 2, Jesus prophesies and he tells them. He says, ah, oh, he says, you know what? Like a, like a hen wants to gather her chicks and protect you, O Jerusalem. How this is what I've wanted to do to you. But you guys have rejected. You guys have rejected the prophets. You have killed the prophets. You have stoned them. And now, he says in, in chapter 24, when the apostles are coming out of the temple, which is in Jerusalem, and they're like, Jesus, isn't the temple that's built for God, isn't this just magnificent? Isn't this thing just beautiful? And Jesus says, I'm telling you, within your generation, not one stone will be left on top of another. This temple is going to be swept and completely destroyed. In your lifetime. And they could be sitting there like, well, why? How could this be? And he's showing them in these parables that you have been invited to this great feast. You have been invited to this wedding ceremony with the king and his son. There's this great celebration and you have rejected it. Therefore, here comes, here comes the hammer, and you are going to get smashed under this. You see, that's the background. That's the, that's the context of all that's going on here. And so I had this, if you guys want to check this out, but you can see Sunday, Jesus comes in. Monday, it tells what he does. Tuesday, what he does. But Jesus is just going to put it to these religious leaders to the point that they are going to be so offended that they hate him and they are going to eventually kill him by the end of the week. By the end of the week, they're going to have him tortured and slaughtered on the cross. That's going to happen by, the, by Friday because he is laying into these guys who are supposed to know better and they're rejecting the invitation. Well, you go to verse 8. The king, he still wants to honor the son. Because what? The wedding hall is still there. The food is still there. The decorations are still there. His son is still getting married. So he's like, I still want to honor my son. We still got to celebrate. So let's send out the invitations to everybody. Because remember our guest list, we usually send it just to our friends and family. Got to kind of limit that. Got to pay for each meal, you know. But this time, he's like, ah, oh, everybody is invited. So look at verse 8. Then he said to his slaves or to his servants, the wedding is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy. Not worthy. If you're not willing to honor my son then you're not worthy. Therefore, verse 9, go to the main highways. As many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. 
Verse 10, the slaves went into the streets. They gathered together everyone, excuse me, everyone that they found, those who are evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled. Because if you were out on a farm and struggling and somebody came up with a fancy invitation and said, hey, man, we got an awesome wedding celebration, just come. You'd be like, what, sit here and farm the rest of the day and hoe weeds for a mile or, or go celebrate at these amazing foods that maybe I've never even seen in my lifetime. I get to be in the hall with the king. I get to be a part of that. Or the person that's homeless. The person is like, I got no clothes. I got nothing to, I got no gifts to bring. I, I don't even have like proper clothing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just come. All we're asking is that you just come and celebrate with us in honoring my son. That's all you got to do. And they do. These guys actually accept the invitation. And the wedding hall is filled. Amazing, right? So we see that, that the invitation still goes out. Then we see here, verse 11. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man who was not dressed in the wedding clothes. Now, People are going to be like, wait, the wedding clothes? Because it seems like culturally, especially if you had the money, you would provide the clothing. You would provide them with the clothing. Sort of like how you want all the bridesmaids and all of the groomsmen to be sort of dressed the same. It looks like that was something that, that happened as well. That when you came in, they would give you the clothes. Because, again, he's trying to honor his son. So if people are coming in in rags and stuff like that, the clothes are already provided, right? He wants everybody to look good. And so you didn't have to buy them. You just had to put them on. That's it. You just had to put on the clothes. And so when you come in, that, that's what you were given. So at the king, it's very easy. Shoot, you just look out and everybody's dressed the same except one. You guys know how that is. The, the saying goes, you stick out like a what? Stick out like a sore thumb. People used to say that about me, being a Belagana on the reservation. My mom, I ran cross country, and she said there would just be brown hair, brown hair, brown hair, brown hair, and then this bl bright blonde hair just like running with all the kids. She's like, oh, there's Josh, you know. Stood out like a sore thumb, you know, and, and it's not that I'm just white. I mean, I'm like really white, you know, and so that made it even worse where, you know, your skin is just like glowing and then you got everybody else. You're standing out like a sore thumb. It is so easy to recognize you. Well, that's how this guest is. Everybody is wearing the same clothes except this one. And when you understand that the clothes have been provided, then basically what you have to see is the man chose to reject the clothes. And you would be like, why? Why would he reject it? I mean, they were offered. He either rejected them or the other option is that he did put them on when he first came in, 
And then as he was walking around, he's like, ah, I don't like these and took them off. So either way, either he rejected them at the beginning or he took them off once he was in. Either way, he is dishonoring the king and dishonoring the event, his son, ultimately. So why? Is it defiance? Is he ungrateful? Is it just flat-out rebellion? But it's a sign of disrespect. And just as before, when you reject the king and all that he's offering, there are severe consequences. Verse 12. Look at verse 12. The king said to them, said to the man, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? Because you can't. You can't get in here without the wedding clothes. So when he confronts him to say, in other words, why aren't you wearing the wedding clothes? The man was speechless. And it seems like the way that Jesus is using this in the parable, he stands condemned. Like, uh, 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 like what are you supposed to say? Lie to the king? He knows why he's not wearing it. He has been found guilty. And now he's saying, why aren't you wearing it? He's like, uh, uh, he's speechless. So the king, he said to his servants, tie him up hand and foot, throw him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The king doesn't play. You either celebrate or you suffer. And doesn't it seem like it would be an obvious say, I want to celebrate. Everybody wants to celebrate. Then why? Why aren't these people celebrating? Why aren't they coming to the celebration? Over and over, it seems like it's because they are rejecting the son. They do not want to honor the son. And when you keep that in mind, before I get to the lessons, I want you guys to think about this story that Jesus is telling. Ultimately, God is the king. The father is the king, right? He's inviting all these people, the Jews. The Jews are the ones that the invitation went out specifically. He's inviting them to become a part of this family and celebrate his son. And God has sent out his prophets over and over and tell them that the Messiah is coming. You've got to accept him. Even the, John the baptizer was sent to the Jews. And what did they do to John? They had him beheaded, cut his head off. They have these prophets that are trying to invite people to say, here is Jesus. And you know what? Everything is ready. Here's my son. I want you to honor my son. And now that the son is there and everything is ready and prepared, their Jews basically are saying, no thanks. Don't want it. I don't want him. I don't want to honor him. You see, the Jews were rejecting Jesus. And that's really what the parable is getting to. And the father, the king, is showing that when you reject honoring my son, you are going to suffer into a place of outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
So all these Jews, for generations, God has been inviting them, trying to bring them to this event. And now that the event is finally here, they are rejecting it. Is it any wonder that God is coming down with a hammer to crush them? Has he been patient? Has he been generous? Has he shown amazing grace? And he's saying, come celebrate. And they refuse. So what are some lessons that we can learn? Today, God is still inviting all to come. If the Jews rejected it, then he said, well, go into all the world. What was Jesus' final command? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. They will be crushed. They will be thrown into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That invitation is still going out. God is still trying to fill His feast and banquet with anybody and everybody that will willingly choose to say, yes, I want to honor the Son with you. I want to honor and celebrate your Son. But God doesn't force it. He's saying, man, I got a huge, amazing luxuries that you've never even heard of waiting for you. Will you come? The second, those who are in Christ, those of us who have been baptized into Christ, we're in the hall. We're celebrating. We've had all of our sins forgiven. We're Ephesians 1 and verse 3, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ that is in the heavenly places. We have all of it. We have all of God's love. We have all of His answered prayers. Like He hears our prayers. We have forgiveness of sins. We have the Holy Spirit. We have His word. We have His promises. What more could He offer us? We have all of that. But we're also those servants or those slaves to say, We've got to invite more. The king wants more people. There's still more room. So we're also those people who are supposed to go out and invite. Now, if the king's servants back then were ignored, mistreated, abused, and even killed, then if we're the ones going out to share that good news of Jesus Christ, what do you think is going to happen to you? Do you think you could be ignored? Do you think that you could be mistreated? Do you think that eventually there could be times that you could even be thrown in jail or beaten for your faith? And possibly a day comes that you even die. You see, that's the lessons that we can get. There are many today who are also unwilling. Just as they were unwilling, they were too busy, they were disinterested, Reality, I don't want to honor the son. Because to honor the son, that means that he has to be king. Lord Jesus. And for him to be king, that means that you have to do what he says. To honor him means you have to do what he says. And I don't like that in my life. I like to go do my business. I like to go back to my house and do what I want to do. I'll let Jesus be over here, but he doesn't get to rule all of my life. That's not how it works. To honor him means 
every aspect of your life. When you're at work, when you're at school, when you're at home, what music you listen to, what movies you watch, what jokes you tell, what you don't tell, what you watch around people, all of that. Is Jesus the king of your life? Are you ready to honor him? You see, that is something that we have to say, I'm too busy to go to church. I'm too busy to read my Bible. I'm too busy, like Evan preached on last week. Are we just disinterested? Is it not enough? Does God not offer us enough? There are those who are willing to abuse and kill God's servants. It's happening today in the world. Maybe not here in America, but it is happening. Lesson number five, God will punish and destroy those who reject his son. It's a promise. It is a promise. And finally, those who have been baptized into Christ, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27, it says that for all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. We had nothing to offer. We had nothing to offer. We just came because Jesus has offered to forgive us and to invite us into his family. And I just came and he's the one who clothed me with all of the beauty. I got to come in. And then once we're clothed with Christ, it says in Ephesians, it says that we're supposed to be clothed with righteousness. And we bear fruit. We, we honor Jesus by, by living the way that he would live. You see, I'm supposed to represent his name. And so I'm clothed with righteousness. Again, nothing that I earned or deserved. It's what God gives us by being a part of his people. So once you're in the family, in the church, if you take off this garment where you're saying, I don't want it anymore. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 and following says, you basically throw down the blood of Christ and you stomp on that grace. That grace that was given to you, you're saying, ah, I don't want it. I want that life of sin. I want that life of rebellion. I want that life of doing whatever I want. And God says, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. He is going to crush and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth that God says is eternal, a place of eternal fire. I hope as we think about this lesson, this, this parable that Jesus taught, that basically he was showing these Jews, you are rejecting the son. You're rejecting the king. And he's saying you will either come and celebrate with us or you will suffer. And sure enough, Jesus is going to die on that cross just as it was prophesied. Forty years later, A.D. 70, Rome is going to come to Jerusalem and smash to where there's not one stone left on top of another. God sends Rome to wipe out the Jewish people. All of those people that were showing rebellion refusal, too busy, that judgment came. But there's something even worse than that, and that's the eternal fires of hell for those that reject Jesus Christ. If you are not in that family, if you have not accepted that invitation, 
That's, the, that's what Jesus is saying. Come, if you believe that I am the Son of God, if you're willing to repent, turn away from that old lifestyle and put on these new clothes in baptism, live and celebrate, honor me as the Son. If you're willing to accept that invitation, then you can do that today. Don't wait. Don't put off that invitation. But if you have accepted that invitation, but you find yourself that I went back to my farm, I took off the clothes, and I wanted to go back, better repent because a time is coming. If you start to say, oh, I was too busy. I just found this other stuff more interesting. Really think about that as we sing this song, as together we stand and sing.